This is Olivia Bethay. Today's discussion is with two people who are very near and dear to my heart. Permission to be co-host Tommy Allgood and their partner Chris Dobeck are joining us to share their perspectives on what Pride Month means to them and to each give us a glimpse into their journeys of love and acceptance of themselves as queer individuals. I believe it's hard to fully understand issues that don't impact you if you're not in relationship with those whose life experience is dramatically different from your own. So I'm always appreciative of those who are willing to share in ways that enhance my understanding of life in a way that I might have otherwise never considered. This conversation between Tommy, Chris, Becca, and I is an example of that. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. Let's hit him with the remix. Oh, well, y'all got to change yes. that. Yes. What are we doing? Uh, we, we leave our F-bombs in and... Let's tell some stories. As long as white people are bound, the people in power are bound, they're going to keep us bound to the same thing that they're bound to. Out of, uh, the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speak, that I think out of the overflow of the spirit the body does. Why, why is that the best that God could offer you? Mike made it very clear that he did not want to get any of these questions beforehand. So he is getting this question live, raw, for the very first time. This is, um, yeah. and I feel like art is the expression of the heart where uh, words fail. Oh my goodness, I have tears. Oh, y'all are killing it. Unfiltered. I feel like that's gotta sound strange. Permission to be. Uh, actually, my, my my literary agent, when we were talking about what book might I write, he was like, I mean, A Black Man with Hope is an interesting book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Welcome to Permission to Be. I'd like to say that this is our honor of pride month but pride month is really 365 days a year so and this episode may or may not air during the actual technical capitalism 30-day recognition that target and amazon and whoever else decided to jump on that bandwagon we might try it might not happen though Cool. We're going to try. We're going to try real hard. So hopefully you're all hearing this during Pride Month. We're not going to try. Uh, We're just going to try. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all, we're, we're coming to you um, hot um, with uh, myself and Olivia tonight. And we are interviewing. And Tommy is the interviewee along with his magical partner Chris and so welcome Tommy and Chris hi hello oh my gosh what is that because we don't know for the how our microphones work it's a mess (laughs) here's the thing I'm here all the time and you're essentially the guest so I'm working to defer to you most of this oh god that's so no that's not how this works but like first (laughs) Like we're, it's going to be equitable <laughs> and conversational topics, but being equitable, okay, 
but like because they hear my voice all the time and you're the new person i am the new person but, but thank you for being here oh yeah you're welcome <laughs> I'm tickled, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to focus. Good luck. Yeah, it's lost cause. So, um, something that I don't think we have done. Really Question, done are we going to go back and um, put in all the other stuff that we've, the other recordings? All the technical Possibly, stuff. if I can okay. get them. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Glad that <laughs> just curious. Can. And I might have to pee during this also. So, so when he says might, it's a definite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you, once you open the dam, it's just kind of like it's over. Small yes. bladder problems. Yes. yes. Yeah. So we're, we're coming to you with our bubbly cupcake yeah. Prosecco. Mm-hmm. And we're on a time crunch because I have a 30-minute meeting that I have to attend right after this. But right now I'm present here. So. We got all the time. We got all the time. I rudely cut you off back there, so my bad. It's really, a, I mean, you know, you're the guest. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so um, something that um, Jay Mays, you know, shared on the wait, social media. Wait, wait, is, wait, somebody else is here. Who else is here? I, I but I did say that. I said. Oh, did I miss that? It, it, blocked, it blocked out. No, they. It, we missed that part. We didn't hear it because I didn't hear it either. So I, I did not. I, I do apologize. I, I mentioned Olivia, but I, I just talked right through. So Olivia, hi. Hi. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. <laughs> oh, he said he said someone else is here, and I was like. <laughs> Girl, I looked at the participation thing. Like, who's in the, who's in our Zoom? I was like, somebody is act in to our feed. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> oh my gosh! I love each and every one of you so much. How you doing, Olivia? I'm, I'm well. <laughs> That's all we get. I'm well. I'm well. That's okay. I'm well and it is well. How about that? <laughs> it, it is well with my soul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So back to what I was saying before. I really did not acknowledge Olivia and I apologize. Uh, we have not done pronouns like you know, Jay Mays was talking that for, um, you know, there's an expectation of like for allies to say, well, I want to know your pronouns so I can support you. And sorry, in my head, I just hear a white Karen. Um, so like that's, um, and that's very judgy of me because I also fall in that category. Um, but <laughs> you are not a Karen. You may be white, but you're not a Karen. <laughs> I have my moments. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, she's definitely a mama bear sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I come for you. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy. Oh, y'all, if you can see Tommy's face, 
like insane so much. <laughs> so much. This is why we don't do these live because y'all don't need to see all this. Y'all don't need to see the faces. Because y'all I don't consider the secrets. <laughs> I consider Tommy one of my closest friends. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I'm centering myself. Decenter. We do not say our pronouns, which was my whole point of this about five minutes ago. <laughs> so, I'll go first. My name is Becca. Uh, my pronouns I identify as she, her. And I am going to share tonight that I do identify as bi. Um, that is not something that I've shared before. Um, but I would like to share that. Um, and I'm married to a um, cis man. Woo! So, so, yes! We celebrate um, you. Yes. Okay. Well. Who wants to go next? Who wants to, who wants to say there? I'll, my, I'll say mine. Because I'm sure that, that um, these these other two are, are going to have us cracking up for a minute. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'll, I'll just be brief. My name is Olivia. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, that's right. I forgot that I'm speaking first. This is a very weird dynamic, but I'm gonna do it. So my name is Chris. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and yeah, that's about it. I'm like going through the process of like rediscovering my comfortability with the name actually of Chris right now or Christopher right now because that's my full my full legal name. Yeah, um, but I think I'm still gonna keep Chris. I just might change the spelling of the short. I just don't like how Christopher is tied to like. The whole Saint Christopher mm. with Catholicism and um, is that, is that where yours derived from? What is that all Christopher? No, but that's why my parents named me Christopher was after Saint Christopher, and I just don't. Yeah, because Gross. they're a good Sicilian family. Correct, and I am the patron saint of traveling. I think, but y'all don't quote me on that. But I'm pretty sure I am. I was um, thinking of the colony colon, colonizer. Oh yeah, and that one too. Right, right. And (laughs) so it's the same spelling as that too. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that's fun. Hey y'all, Tommy. My pronouns are they, he. Any combination of they or he for now. Subject to change. Um we can talk more about that later on, I suppose. But yeah, thank you for leading with an uh, an invitation to introduce ourselves uh, in our pronouns and honor that space of gender nonconformity. I hope 10, maybe 20 years from now that this isn't the nuanced conversation that it is right now, you Mm. know? Maybe that's very naive to think for that short amount of time. What do you mean? I'm not supposed to be interviewing her, but I'm curious. What do you I mean? Know, I know, I know. No, <laughs> what I mean by that is I hope that it's just an assumption. You come on and you say your pronouns. Like, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not... 
it's Pride Month and we're we're making we're being intentional about this. And I think all of that is wonderful. But the fact is, is that we're here in this space because of a supremacy culture and whiteness that has cultivated a country and a world that doesn't honor how people originally showed up were to be live on this planet. Are you going to go off topic? I was, sorry. I was browsing to bring it back to me because I Googled St. Christopher because of course <laughs> I did. Of course, do it. So like, not only is St. Christopher the patron saint of traveling, which I'm right, I am also the protector of people from epilepsy, lightning, and thunderstorms. I am. So I saved us that day. Did you? Which, I mean, not me, but like. Which time? <laughs> which time? Tell that story. So we were hanging out. While you tell that story, I'm going to go pee. Okay. So we were hanging out at our friend's porch. Um, what neighborhood of Charlotte was it, though? Wesley Heights. Wesley Heights. There we go. We were in Wesley Heights, Charlotte. Five and minutes we, from my house. Yeah. So we were hanging out on their porch, you know, um, drinking some wine smoking just hanging out and we're like oh it's a thunderstorm so let's sit outside under their balcony like under their front porch and like watch the storm and um it literally stopped raining and so we just like kept talking and then like you know like getting into conversation and then literally out of nowhere there was a tree that was like 25 feet away from us and it got hit by lightning Oh my god. And like literally we saw the lightning, saw the tree explode, and heard the sound all at the same time. Oh wow. To the point where like a part of the tree branch like was what's the right word? Thru not it like exploded onto the porch and like almost hit us. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And so I saved them. And you saved them how? Because I'm the patron saint of protecting people from lightning. Oh, okay. So you're the reason that when it exploded, nobody died. Not Correct. that you did anything, just your presence, your mere so presence. Now, right, because I'm named after St. Christopher. So my parents did like the sacrifice to like name me after the saint. <laughs> anyway, what came out of that is we I'm now have... I'm very much a Sagittarius, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> we now have a group text called Thunderstruck. We do. After that no, incident. it's Thunderqueers. Thunderqueers. Thunderstruck queers, I think. Anyway, why are we here, y'all? Why are we here today? Yeah. <laughs> Because I am the patron saint of. Shut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do. What does Pride Month mean to you? Hmm? What What does Pride Month mean to us? That's why we're here. Okay. No, that's not why you're here. But I was just. That's thinking, a good question, though. Uh, oversimplifying, but yes, we can start there. Oh. You're here because we love you and your family, but. Oh this episode okay hmm. Hmm. oh my gosh it's quiet the queers are quiet <laughs> i know it's weird for us we're normally not quiet yeah what's going on yeah well i didn't want to go first yeah but i'm still thinking okay so, so you'll, yeah you'll you should go first yeah um what does pride mean to me i think it it means a lot of things um very recently have I contextualized, maybe in the last four or five years, like actually contextualized June 
being Pride Month. Um, and so it's, yeah, I think in preparation for this, one of the things I've been reflecting on is the aspects of my queer identity, um, but also how that intersects or aligns with my identity um, as a Black person um, in the context of so-called United States of America. And that pride was um, that we, we get pride from protest mm. uh, for from this daring to live out loud and boldly and unapologetically. Um, and so for me, pride is that celebration, that commemoration um, of a bold and unapologetic, um, divergent <laughs> even life um, that, that is disruptive to the status quo, but yet um, beautifies and enhances the spaces that queerness occupies. Well, fuck, I'm supposed to follow that. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, no, so I guess like for me, um, Pride Month, oh gosh, I'm about to use the name of the podcast, not even on purpose. Uh, it's permission to take space. Um, it's because for so long as queer children, we hide ourselves inside um, and we just like keep going deeper and deeper in and like, so for me, Pride Month shows that like you were allowed, like we're we're t we're taking this space. We we're we are. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's yeah. Just it's like the permit. Like yeah. Ah, see, this is this is what I'm not used to. You can't um, mess this up. I know. So, but like to me, like it's literally like per like it's breaking down the barriers that we put on ourselves so not we put not that we put on ourselves it's the barriers that society put on ourselves and breaking those up and like allowing ourselves to take up space and it's to me like it's like like for me it's scary but it's also very freeing um that like adrenaline rush of like uh, is this okay am i allowed to take up this space and trying to navigate that just because you've navigated your life so much of like, how do I make sure that I can stay invisible and not seen? Um, I literally remember my freshman year of college. And like, that's when like, I actually came out, like I actually decided like I'm queer. I mean, like not that I decided I was queer. Like that was the first time that like, I put words out loud to someone. And um, I literally remember in my dorm room listening to Jennifer Hudson's song called Invisible. And um, it just talks about how like, I don't want to be invisible anymore. for you deciding enough already this is who I am and I'm going to give voice to that uh my mom dying honestly like my mom died when I was 17 and then 
10 months later, I was in a different state. Um, I was off in college with no, like no family. And I was just like, no one knows me here. So let's just start new and start fresh because they don't know the past. They don't know the high school me. How long would you say, okay, so you came, you were giving voice to it then. Um, Mm -hmm. so when you were articulating what pride month means to you, like your, there was a boldness that rose up in you, your, your demeanor changed a little bit. How long did it take for you to get to that place? Not where I'm just kind of saying it, but where this is who I am and I am bold and courageous in stating that unapologetically. I mean, even it was a process. So I would say like, even in freshman year of college, even when I did like come out into them, I would say it took me all of college to like build that confidence to be who I am now. I would say like when I graduated college, I was very unapologetically queer um, to the point where I just didn't care anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, like I have other stories. Like I literally, if I'm going to go down that, like that route, um, it was, I knew I I was queer probably like all the way back to like first grade. I knew something was different. I just didn't have the language for it. Um, and so I... Question, would you have used queer back then or would you... I probably would have used gay back then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know. I mean, I still didn't know. All I knew was like, I can make very, very strong bonds with, um, in first grade, I can make very, very like strong connections with mostly, all my friends were girls, all of my friends were. Um, it was just very easy for me to do it. Um, just like connecting with them, talking with them. Um, there was a discomfort with boys, but I wasn't able to name it right like i wasn't able to say like oh i'm i can't make friends with any boys like all my friends were just girls and i just ran with it because i was six right and so like i remember my stephanie my stepsister now she called the house because like we were gonna we were like she asked me for like my phone number i gave her my phone number we were gonna try to like hang out after school and so like i literally remember my mom saying like you're too young to have a girlfriend and it was like, but I don't, wait, what? But like, why can't I just have a friend? Um, but like that stuck with me. And so it was like, that's when like, it was the process of like the deconstructing of, um, that's when I started, not deconstructing, I'm sorry. That's when it was like, okay, I have to put up this protection. I have to put up this, this shield of like, I can't make friends with girls because that's that's wrong girls are not meant to be friends with quote-unquote boys oh there's so much there Hmm. right right just a couple steps back real quick yeah just wanted if you all would share um for for some the terminology is new or different or maybe described differently by different people for you, what is, how do you define gay and how do you define queer in your, for you, is that a difference? Is, you know, will you talk about that? Uh, which one of us? Um, you can go. 
either one of you, I mean, Chris was talking, but but I know, you, Tommy, you had asked, would you have said gay or queer? So, like, wh whoever wants to talk about it. It's interesting. I don't, I don't think I've processed... Uh, in some ways, it might be a question for me that is also tied to gender identity um, in some ways. Mm -hmm. And whereas... I might contextualize being gay as identifying with maleness or manness and uh, a person that, uh, a man that likes another man or a woman that likes uh, another woman. Um, when, for me, when I look at myself and I, my current identification is um, as a queer pansexual person, um, it encapsulates the non-binary, for me, the non-binary gender identity, mm -hmm. um, and also the the fact that I love who I love, right? It, regardless of of gender, and so it is queer means strange, um, and queer is a politic. Um, and so it, it's a divergence from that which is normal or normativity. Um, and so I use queer to say that you can't fit me into a box. Mm -hmm. um, whereas maybe when I identified more as gay, um, it was more still rooted in some sort of binary thinking for myself at the time. And that's not to say that other people who identify currently as gay are stuck in some sort of binary thinking. That's just mm -hmm. how it was for me. And sort of when I examined um, how I was interacting in relationships with people, uh, what felt like, yes, this is the language that I want to put to it and use for myself. Mm -hmm. what about you? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess it's like for me, I, and this might be, might be wrong, but for me, I use queer and I don't know, but I use queer and gay interchangeably, I guess. Um, not, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like I, like I still identify, I would say as, as a, as a gay, as a gay person, but like, so like gay goes with male whenever they say like gay male, but I don't identify as a male. Right. And so, like, you can also say gay non-binary, which is fine, because I know um, I have friends who identify as a lesbian non-binary person. So, um, but for most people, when they hear um, non-binary, they're like, but how are you gay? Because that's when two people of the same gender are attracted to each other. And so um, that's when I just say, like, queer, just because... Sometimes it's just easier. <laughs> Make them do the work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like your your dependence on a definition to contextualize me is you wanting to put me into a box. Right. And I don't have to acquiesce to the box mm -hmm. that you want to put me in. True. Yeah. Right. Which goes back down the road to whiteness. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did we mention that we're partners? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know oh. yeah. You did at the beginning. I think so. You said we have Tommy and his, his like, yes, and partner, his partner Chris. Chris. 
Yeah. You did. Yeah. These are the conversations that we have. Normally, anyways. <laughs> so how long, so how long have y'all been together? <gasps> oh, you should tell them the fun connections here. So it's gonna be it'll be five years this November. November. But today which is four year anniversary. Is, which is yeah, is the four year anniversary of me moving to Charlotte. Um, yeah. Packed up a budget Packed truck. Packed up a budget truck. I was like, not a U-Haul. <laughs> I mean, I was a teacher in DC. I didn't have U-Haul money. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> so uh, y'all, U-Haul to me is is the cheap one. Like I didn't know there was it's not, it's not? okay. So it's it's actually a joke because lesbians. like we typically say oh, that yeah. lesbians oh are you <laughs> It's like what, what I've caught up, yeah. yeah. I've caught up. But, so and I don't know the time frame for what consists of you hauling it, but Chris and I dated for eight months eight months before long distance. Or moved to Charlotte from DC and moved in. It was yeah. that. It was eight yeah. dis- eight months long distance. Yeah. So why didn't you move yeah. to DC, Tommy? Because I'm black and poor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, poor, poor of resource at the time, but not poor okay, in so spirit. We're not, going, we're, not going to, we're not going to affirm being black and poor. That's right. We're not going to being black, but we're not going to affirm because the universe. Has endless bounty. Right. Okay. Right. So, so, it, it, and I was probably in a different mindset at that time of very much. Um, so, the reason Olivia says that, y'all, is that we've been having conversations surrounding a scarcity um, versus abundance mindset. And so, um, that's where, where that's best coming from. And we should talk about that more on the podcast. Yes, but um, it, it definitely, just the cost the cost of living and where I was financially um, at the time, it made more sense for Chris to move down. Um, we and I was very clear at the beginning that I didn't want a long term, long distance relationship. I had done those, and I was like, it gets exhausting. I don't know. Like we need to, you know. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. <laughs> and like unknown to Tommy at the time when we were already dating, but he know he's like he knows now. I was already planning on like leaving DC. I just didn't know what city I wanted to move to, but I knew that being a teacher in DC was no longer sustainable for the cost of living and um, the pay that they give teachers. Mm-hmm. So I was already looking for an out. Tommy, but your also, family's like, here. We moved during Pride Month. We did move during Pride Month. Yeah. I mean, we attended Pride in DC. Yeah, Pride then we packed up my classroom, and then yeah, we moved here. It was a fun and challenging two weeks. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll come up later. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about, y'all. There's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, my family's also here, and I'm a Cancer. Probably those forces also had something to do with the decision to remain here. As much as I don't want to admit it. <laughs> I get the family part. What's the cancer part have to do with it? Cancers are very concerned with home insecurity. And so like Charlotte feels 
because like for me family is uh for me family has been resource it has been safety it has been security um even though there's like weird dynamics and weird relationships and but who whose family isn't right and so um that it was yeah that and 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 I'm not I don't think I'm tied to staying here and I can also acknowledge that we've created together um really good relationships in in a good life here um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's, it's not Tommy, a loss for words. Weird. (laughs) He's just being romantical. (laughs) Not really. Ask us more questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you do you guys feel like um, because I'm old enough to be the mother of both of you, uh, (laughs) um, and so I'm just kind of thinking back to how old I was when I even understood the concept of gay. I mean, it just like wasn't even talked about. Um, so do you feel over the course of your short lifetime that like the generation coming up behind you is going to have an easier time because it's more in the forefront of conversations? I mean, when I look at TV shows now, um, you know, I see it in TV, I see it in commercials. It's, it's not the big issue um, that it was four score and seven years ago when <laughs> when Stop. I was in high school. So I just wonder, do you guys feel that? And do you feel like the generation coming up behind you won't have the same degree of pressure to hide themselves for so long? Yes and no. Um, the, it all, uh, honestly, I feel like it's a very, sorry, were you about to talk? No, I love that you said yes and no. Oh. Yeah. So I would say it's it's very geographical. It depends on where you are. Um, I would say like Midwest or like the Bible Belt, small town, Southern life. Um, yeah, though, like it's it's um, yeah, it's gonna they're gonna it's it the, the struggles are. Um, still going to be there, especially if you're rooted in Catholicism and evangelical Christian Christianity. Um, but then, if you grow up in a like progressive city, you're it's going to be a different story. Mm, I would nuance mine to say, um, yes, it will be easier in some aspects and know and others um i think with any liberation movements which um queerness again going back to queerness being a politic um queerness is a liberation movement pride is a liberation movement and when we juxtapose that with other movements like the civil rights movement which the queer uh, liberation movement is an extension out of there are things that are easier for me as a black person but now in the context of 2020, um, there are also other challenges that uh, we face. Is, um, and it's even more difficult sometimes to name those challenges because the ways in which we, um, that oppression takes place tries to happen more covertly. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think um, on a couple fronts, you'll still have religions, as Chris mentioned, that uh, religious institutions that are anti-gay, um, that are deeply homophobic, deeply transphobic, and oppressive. Um, but also, I think there will be more freedom in, in acceptance. But what's left to question is, in what ways will um, those who hold power um, shift the ways in which they oppress individuals? And so um, the generations behind us will have their own struggles. I think about the generations before us through you know, through Stonewall, through the the AIDS uh, uh, pandemic, which is still a pandemic today, um, in the 1980s, right? Um, we've also had our struggles, but they've been different from the struggles of those who've paved the way before us. And so I don't know what it will look like, but I'm not going to say, no, absolutely no, we're not out of the woods in, in terms of through struggle. Yeah, but I'll also, yeah, I agree. Absolutely, all of that. But I want to go back to what uh, you were talking about, Olivia, about since it's in the media more. So they, I would say the next generations, they will have, they'll have more, like an, I guess like an easier time with the language. Because um, I, I didn't get the language of, I, remember, I didn't get the language of gay until eighth grade I want to say like six eighth like six like in middle school and it I mean it was because I remember on like that was around the time where my parents allowed um my brother and I to stay home on Friday nights when they went grocery shopping and like I remember like sneaking into my parents room and turning on logo tv to watch the original Queer Eye for the straight guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was the first time I got that language. I was like, what's the, lo-? I was like a logo. Like I just like came up on it from scrolling and then that was on there. And then like, I literally remember like every time they would go out, I would, I would go watch it. So like, it's different now because you can literally go on Netflix and. But even in, in mainstream, I mean, I don't, I don't watch much TV. Um, I've actually disconnected cable, but the one TV show that I watch, um, which is a very popular one, and that's This Is Us. Um, mm. And so they've incorporated that into the storyline with um, one of the um, the key characters, um, one of their daughters. And, sh- and she is like in um, middle school, um, and you know mm. she comes out to her parents. And so they, they, they've woven a storyline around it. And then the other show, which is like This Is Us Light, which tells you a lot about my viewing habits. Um, and um, it's a, a, million, a million different, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, a million different reasons. A million, yeah, no, a, a million, something like that. A million, a million little things. things. A million, yes, that's it. A million little things. <laughs> um, same thing. So one of the the young characters, um, you know, they have him come, and so he's 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 again like you know middle school. Um, with you being so much younger than me, I'm surprised. I mean, when you're saying you were like eighth grade before you had language for it, that was me, and I could be your mama. <laughs> yeah. So like, but. Oh, I was going to say, like, I grew up in a very, so <laughs> love you. I grew up in a very small town. I don't think I ever like gave the background. So I grew up in a small town in Connecticut of like 10,000 people. Oh, so, okay. uh, <laughs> which is why, like, I'm very, which is why I, essentially why I left. Like there was not, um, 
there was not much there. So I there was not much. And also, parents gatekeep. So like that part. That, like we, um, when you see parents at school board meetings and the current what we would say cultural wars like those actually those are the real consequences of in the home where you don't see um the abuse happening to children who are awakening to their identity as, as queer humans right it, it's um they know something carnally internally in their body mm-hmm. is different and yet they're trying to logistically get their minds to align with a certain culture or a certain way of being um, that that their body is fighting with. Um, and, 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 and so if I think that's why it's so important for one for representation, but two, um, also that our, we fight for institutional pol- uh, policy changes in which people can be exposed to these things um, and, and make their own decisions. Because otherwise, you know, we all get indoctrinated some sh- way, shape, or form. Um, like we talk about deconstruction here on the podcast. Um, and these are the reasons why, right? Because we're being raised in a particular or, or a certain way. And so that would that would be another thing that I would say is a challenge mm-hmm. or will continue to be a challenge even. Yeah. Well, Chris, one thing we have in common is that you were raised Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic school for three years. Um, and I, and so I had to go to mass every Friday. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I still remember it all these years later. Me too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But again, mm-hmm. I'm like I can I can break out in a hymn right now. If you want me to. <laughs> a, I ain't a singer. The though, fact that but, I remember you know. it though um, is you know that's saying a lot. But I, I guess the thing that I find perplexing and um, you're, you're referencing the homophobia in the church. Um, I've not been around Catholicism since the seventh grade, but you've got these institutions claiming to speak for God, okay, and then it's like, okay, so this behavior is abhorrent, um, and this behavior, we're just going to pretend like it's not happening. So that's what I watch the Catholic Church do. We're going to pretend like that part's not happening. It's what the Southern Baptist Convention has done with all these um, cases against, um, you know, leadership, like 700 or something of them. I don't, I don't want to um, misquote yeah. that. Um, and so I, I, I was just curious from the Catholic perspective, like, how is that even reconciled? I feel like they use the language of like, priests are appointed by God. And so it's like, when you're appointed by God, you can do no wrong. And so they will sweep everything else under the rug. Um, that's my perspective of it. Um, and so, I mean, it's just like pick and choosing out of the Bible of like, what you what, what are we going to follow versus what are we not going to follow yeah. in the Bible? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I love yeah. that you uh, took sort of the, 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 the thought about sweeping things under the rug and, and the imagery of not doing wrong because then I think of the queer body serves to disrupt that wholly um, in, in that we choose to say you tried to hide us, but you couldn't, and we're still here. Um, we, our existence exposes the thing that is tried to be covered over. Um, and so in that way, 
um, the queer body, <laughs> it acts actually in a prophetic sense. Um, and, and it's deeply holy and sacred. Hmm. I appreciate you, young people, enlightening me. Um, it's always a it's always a pleasure. We, I mean, that's why I have young we, friends. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you being friends with us, um, and and letting our friendship be uh, an enlightening process, right? I suppose, right? And so, I mean, not yeah, right, yeah, 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 just, yeah. Just I know that was your like you're looking to me to affirm you. I got it. That, that, that was, you said right, but I understood what you meant. Yeah, I, I read a quote yesterday that said, "If you're over 45 and aren't in relationship with somebody 30 or under, then you're like completely lost about you know culture. There's cult, the, the gist of it. I can't quote it exactly the way it was said, but there are." nuances and shifts in culture that you're never going to understand um and the person who posted it i was like oh i got a whole posse of um <laughs> of, of young friends awesome. um I, I i when i was um growing up i was so often the youngest one in the bunch um and so now i'm the oldest one a whole bunch of times but um i do learn from the younger generations and um i, I appreciate it i have to be very cognizant of that because i've always also been the youngest one in the bunch traditionally and I'm having to consciously be intentional about um hang out with people younger than me as I get older like I turn 31 in a few weeks and oh my god it's still very oh, young oh. right it's still very young so. but at the same time like I I look at the one thing that weighs heavy on me is what is my responsibility to those who are coming after me um what or what it what is it that i need to create or show or how do i need to live in a way that is going to um that that we won't have to have the same conversations that we're having right now today that the people behind us can create actually create something different something better uh, something more liberatory for us to all exist in. So, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, we're really open about our relationship in, in that way. Mm -hmm. So friends, Tommy and Chris, my family has had the honor of knowing them for a while. And um, in the last year, and let me say this as well, um, Chris um, in all of his wisdom and lots of patience, has also tutored my children for reading. What were you going to say, Chris? You said he. You said he. Dang it. So y'all, <laughs> y'all, I did it. It's okay. So what is the appropriate response? When thank you for letting me know. And Chris's pronouns are they, which actually fits really well with the point of where I was going. <laughs> but y'all, I've known Chris and we have an intimate relationship. I mean, not intimate. That was weird. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
I mean, we are poly. So. I mean, <laughs> I still like the dick, though. <laughs> oh, y'all can see me. I'm dying. Oh, so they have been tutoring our son and now our daughter this summer. But over the course of the last year, they changed their pronouns from he to they. And it has been a really a huge privilege to be in relationship um, with Chris and Tommy, and especially with Chris, because my children have had the experience of walking through the transition, and they still are, um, of somebody, um, Chris's life evolving and Chris discovering who they are. And it's been so beautiful because it's also caused us to, as a family, dig deeper um, and learn more about pronouns. And so Chris, would you mind sharing and talking a little bit about how, wow, I don't want to say how that came about. That sounds really weird. But just like that, the transition from your in one pro, set of pronouns to another. Yeah, sure. Um, wait, can I just also point out it's not just a transition of pronouns? Uh, I don't want right. to change yeah. I want to make sure that we don't reduce it to Please, thank you. a transition of, of just words because it's much deeper than that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. But I just wanted to preface that. No, that's good. That's good. So with with lovely therapy. <laughs> therapy is lovely. Um, so I'm very much um, a heady person. Um, I live in my head a lot. And part of my work in my journey with my therapist has been really like like intentionally going like into my body and feeling and like and just feeling and feeling what feels right to me and stop living in my head because a lot of the time I navigate my life through through safety like what's going to keep me the most yeah the most safe or the most liked or the most or the most right and so i've never truly felt connected to the society's box of what it means to be a boy and I'm going to bring it back all the way to 2013, 14, 13, 14. I was living in um, South Korea at the time teaching English. And I remember it was the first time I was actually making friends with cishet boys. Um, which was which I've never done before, like never really got that like deep connection with them. Gotcha. While also 
still having that deep bond with people who were assigned female at birth, right? Um, Cause I don't know how they, how they identify um, right now. And I, I was invited to um, a girl's night and I remember like one of my, one of my, like, I've known this girl since I was in first grade and we were both there in the same city. And she literally looked at me and said, you don't have a vagina. Why are you going to a girl's night? And in my brain, it was very much the, but I connect with them they're doing things that I enjoy. I want to go. And so I went, but at that time I still had the language of the binary. So that put my whole brain process into like, am I transgender to the point where am I trans? Do I need to like, am I going to have this? Am I, I, I'm sitting with the fact that am I transitioning? into she, her. And I didn't know, cause that also didn't sit well with me, right? Like I was like, I don't, I don't feel that. But I also don't fit in with all the things that guys quote unquote do. And then I moved to DC And I didn't really have gay male friends either. Didn't really connect with gay men. And so it was just like, I don't know where I fit. I don't know what's going on because I was living up here. And I still have up here as in my brain. Sorry, y'all can't see me on video. (laughs) Um, Because I was still living in the binary. I was still associating things as like, these things are feminine and these things are masculine, or these things are deemed male and these things are deemed feminine. Not until I would say like a couple years ago with my therapist, like we started deconstructing like, well, what things are fem? Like what, what does it mean to actually be a girl? What does it actually mean to be a man? And why are those things attached to those things? And once I like deconstructed the things like painting your nails or watching sports, like when we say those things in our brain, we mostly associate painting nails, boom, girl, watching sports, boom, man. And it's like, but that's not true, Right? right? That's just what society has told us. And so like, once I realized that it's like, we are, there are things in this world that humans enjoy. um, And it doesn't matter the box that you are in. And so she had me do this exercise where you stand in front of the mirror. And this goes back to like the words things, but I know you don't want it like, yeah, you say words 
like make eye contact with yourself in the mirror and like call yourself something. And I remember the first time I looked in the mirror and I said the word like they, referring to myself, like they're a beautiful human. And I distinctly remember this fire that lit up in my chest for the first time ever in my entire life of like, oh, this is what it feels like to be empowered by my own self. I feel empowered by me, which has never happened before because it's always like, I was always living in this world of like, I need others to fill my cup. And this was the first time where I was filling my own cup. Um, that is beautiful. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is, that is so powerful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So what that brought up for me is um, my, my writing group is um, spending six weeks and the whole thing is about listening to your body, listening to the wisdom of the body and, um, you know, being quiet enough to hear what your body has to say. And so that's what I thought about when you talked about that exercise. And I, I think because our world is so noisy, um, that's why a lot of times we're not in tune with who we are. I mean, I've gone through, you know, for, for me, that journey hasn't been tied to sexuality, but it's been tied to so many other things. And that's why, you know, I'm the age I am. And a lot of times I'm in my rebellious teenager mode um, because like, all of a sudden I'm just going to say exactly what I want to say. And, you know, um, I am just going to be myself and, and feel comfortable in doing that. Um, but that whole exercise she took you through and, listening to your body and what feels right internally. Um, I think there's power in that for all of us. And it's just not something we're conditioned to do. We, we live so much of our lives on just autopilot. We're yeah. just yep. going, 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 going. And so part of me um, just bringing more silence into my life is to do exactly what she had you do. I don't, you know, I don't want to see the news. I'm gonna take a break from the TV. Um, I'm still gonna be on social media, but I took Facebook off my phone because I want to be able to tune into the quiet. Um, so I think that's that that was wise counsel. It's actually been a point of contention in our relationship at times of tuning into the quiet. <laughs> yeah. So like that's that was most of my mo like most of my work at therapy was and still is getting used to the quiet um, because I was, I was like, in a sense, now that I have the verbiage, like I was, it, it, I was scared of what my body was going to say. I was scared of what the, the, what my voice, like what my head, the voices in my head were saying. And so music is a distraction. TV was a distraction, yes. you know, 
how does that also connect? Oh, with... we're interviewing now. Well, you know, tell me, tell me, asked me a question earlier today. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Tell me, asked me a question earlier today. I, I don't, I was on one of my rants about something. Oh, about no as a whole sentence and learning how to say no. And so he sent me this message and said, how do you tap into your no? And my response back to him was, I feel it in my belly. It's, I feel Ooh. it in my gut. And so if I'm saying yes, sure, I'll do that. And my gut is churning and waves of nausea and it's on fire. Then my body is telling me, I'm not agreeing with what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I didn't mean to cut you off, Tommy. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the reason <laughs> that I was going to pose this is just because we agreed, you know, that we wanted to come on and be as authentic as possible. Um, and even in listening to your body, there's also been, a, alongside of that, there's been, for both of us, this deconstruction and fat phobia. Mm -hmm. um, did you want to talk about that at all in the intersection of correlations? Because I was just thinking in terms of when we, Historically, we've aligned ourselves more closely to, to gay culture, which is inherently deeply fat phobic. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a, a specific model of what uh, gay men should look like. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fit into that category, then you're outcasted. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been also something individually, we've both had to work on in relationship for different reasons, uh, me to break down my biases and continually confront my biases as it relates to my internalized fat phobia and images of what I th uh, what have been presented to me and indoctrinated in me about what are acceptable bodies and beautiful bodies, um, and and but also bearing witness to your journey through that. As yeah, well. so I would say like, I've been recently on a journey around f like with food, I with food and exercise and all of what, I mean, I don't even like the word exercise. I find the word exercise triggering to me um, just because of my past experience with the word exercise. So let me, let me start. So I, in, when I lived in DC, I was trying to fit into the um, stereotypical gay culture of um, the thinner you are, the not the thinner you are, but like the, if you have the six pack, if you have the ripped arms, the more um, the more attractive you are, the more people will find um, yeah find you attractive and sexy, and so I would um i would like eat a burger like cheeseburger with fries right and then in my brain instantly translate to like that was this many calories so i need to run between five and ten miles the next day and so i used exercise as punishment for the food that i ate um and so now it's gotten to the point where it's like i've deconstructed how i view food um, I'm at the point now where I'm like listening to my body more of like, what is my body craving? And I've gotten to the point where it's like, I can wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. And not only am I hungry, but it's like, I want some protein 
or it's like I can I'm like it's in the middle of the day and I'm like I want a snack I'm like I'm feeling something crunchy and so it's like I'm at the point where it's like it's now about like the flavor profile and not about the food so it's like I can make a wide range of choices with crunchiness carrots are crunchy chips are crunchy and you know what if I want chips that day I'm gonna eat chips and there's nothing wrong with that yes yep right and I'm not going to have chips be labeled as bad because that is food that is nourishing my body and I am grateful for that um and it also goes into a lot of like the capitalistic white supremacy model of labeling food as healthy right and so um if you can like if you if you want mcdonald's that day eat mcdonald's there's i mean that's your like that's your choice um does it need to be labeled as bad no especially if that's your only choice that's because it's like you only have that amount of money right in your bank account where that's what you can afford for that day well you know what you made a great choice of nourishing your body yes i think and i think what we do is so instead of focusing on the mcdonald's what we don't focus on is the relationship of mcdonald's and that food to the land and Mm. the chemicals that we put into the land and the preservatives that we use to put in into our bodies Mm -hmm. and how we're out of relationship with the land and so um yeah it's not the fact that the mcdonald's or the burger Mm -hmm. it is the issue but really and in america we have about 250 some chemicals that are allowed in our foods that aren't allowed in other Mm -hmm. countries because of what they do to the body right and and so that's the convert that's a conversation worth having versus labeling foods as good or bad right food is life food Mm -hmm. is is energy Mm -hmm. and we have to have a healthy relationship with food in any sort of or holistic relationship with food even in any liberative practice um, and so i think another aspect of pride month is for especially for us as queer people is uprooting those unhealthy relationships that seep into um the 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 way that we live our lives or the politic of being queer and mm-hmm. say oh that's that's attached to, to capitalism that that this how we labeling this is, is meant to force us into a certain uh, behavior or normativity and mm-hmm. really we're supposed like our our existence is disrupting all of those things yeah yeah and so i would want to say like i was gonna move forward with that do you have anything else to say about no, food no, no. okay so it's like i feel like my journey with food has gotten um i'm still on a journey but I am, I don't like, I don't label food as good or good or bad right now. And so I'm very comfortable with my view on food and I'm currently working on my views on exercise or movement just because I use exercise as a punishment. And there's a part of me that is scared that I'm going to go back to the old model of exercise as punishment. Whereas now I use the word movement of like, I want to move my body because it makes my body feel good. And so like, I, I to me, that did the difference between exercise and movement 
is huge because it's like the other day for the first time I was like, I want to stretch. I want to stretch. It wasn't because it's like, I need to stretch. I have to stretch to exercise. It's like, I want to stretch. I want to stretch my body. And I just stretched my body and I was so happy. Mm. And it, it, it was a different feeling. It was for the first time it wasn't viewed as a punishment. I love that. I can relate to that a lot. Exercise was not a punishment. Well, I mean, it was a shame tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do exercise because I allowed myself to air quotes fail in all these other areas. And so I exercised. It was never, never out of enjoyment. Yeah, I understand that. So Tommy, you haven't talked as much. And uh, (laughs) so we've got a little bit of time left before you have to hop off. And um, if you would take a few minutes and just talk about, I feel like it's not as common of a term or as broadly used, um, but polyamory and what that means to you and for you and how it flows in and out of your life. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So, polyamory or ethical non-monogamy has been a journey for that uh, Chris has chosen to take alongside of me since essentially the beginning of our relationship. Um, we started out while we were long distance um, with we use the term, I think, open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Chris moved, we closed things up. I had That's... an anxiety attack, so I closed things up. Let's call it what it was. Is your mic on? Yes, oh, it's yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is real life. Cool. this is real life. This is real life. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it which caused me to have an anxiety attack because <laughs> I was like, what the hell am I getting myself And then into? we were driving the budget car. And when I say we, I mean Tommy. I did not drive. <laughs> this was right. literally it, on the drive? This was not on the no. drive. This was... The moving. Uh, right, so, well, okay, first, let's, let's, let's add a, another layer of context to this. Even the only reason Chris and I started dating was because one of us gave one of the other persons a uh, STI, mm-hmm. sexually transmitted infection. Yeah. And like a good little person on my prep at the time, I went to go get tested and they were like, oh, look, you have chlamydia, the clap, yay. And so I had to go and notify my sexual partners um, at the time, and I was cataloging in my brain, like, who have I slept with? Because, um, you know, queerness, there's there's a, 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 a healthy sexual ethic, right? 
And even that statement is quite nuanced. That could take up a whole podcast right? about like, sexual ethics. There's episode awareness. two and three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Chris was one of the people that I had to call. Um, and when I called, Chris was like, I'm just shocked that you called. And I was like appalled that like, what do you mean you're shocked that I'm called? And I called people don't call to tell like you need to go like get medicine or go get. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. You so, lucky if you got a message on Grindr, let's be honest. Yeah. So um, I was like, I don't want to carry that that toxic, toxic behavior over. So let's have this conversation. And I think that um, sexually transmitted infections are overly stigmatized, Um, there's super taboo, there's not sufficient education. And then you have movies like Mean Girls, you know, you get an STD and die. Yeah, being a nurse in healthcare field, I've seen firsthand how patients are discriminated against, uh, especially if they have HIV. It's like, um, I've had people whisper to me, oh, this patient's HIV positive. I'm like, why are you whispering? It, right? <laughs> like, or I've had surgeons change their practice of how we've been practicing to pass instruments so that we were, you know, in a practice change of that nature actually increases your chance of sticking yourself with needles and things. And so the ways that discrimination pop up around these things based on simple, just, just pure ignorance, um, it was in that moment of having to have that conversation that I was like, all right, we need to have one, more healthy conversations around sexual ethic, two, more open conversations. Um, And I think it was really normal and easy to be open and non-monogamous living in separate cities, but the thought of taking that practice into one, you know, living under one roof was different and scary. What do you, yeah. Oh, you know, it was a lot. I mean, like I'm moving to a new city. Um, I don't, didn't have a job at the time. Didn't have friends here. I knew Tommy. Yeah. And so <laughs> the compromise That's a hell was, of a right, right, right. <laughs> I, it took some time. I'm not going to say that I just like immediately was like, fine like i i felt a sense of betrayal especially given the timing of like we had already rented this truck we're about to load this truck up and move down and four years ago today you're telling you like is when we moved down and like you're telling me that like we're about to get in the truck tomorrow like drive down four years ago and, and like you're telling me this right now and so i had you know, me being a cancer and all emotional, I had to work through that whole process. We had our friends at, in DC at the time um, come alongside us and be like, well, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? Or And so we made the decision to close things up, um, to get settled. And it was supposed to be for three months, uh, close and then trying it open for three months. And I think it was like a year and a half. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And it was a year and a half of meeting, getting to know uh, Chris in a different way because I had gotten to know Chris long distance, but now is seeing the nuances and 
in person and um but i think the place which we felt honesty was i knew and part of this might have been uh attached to the trauma of my parents relationship um like this whole notion of you know the temptations made a song papa was a rolling stone they made that song for a reason <laughs> yeah I, tommy t- tommy told me at one point like i bef- i'm gonna break up with you before i cheat on you i would ra- or i'd rather break up with you before i cheat on you yeah 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 and i knew that like that i wanted to be have deep connection with other people and that I just naturally formed a connection mm-hmm. with other people. And I wouldn't be true to myself if um, I like changed that um, about, about who I was. And so it was a lot of conversations. And so it was, what does polyamory, I think the question was, what does polyamory mean to me? I think the answer to that for me is that it's consistently shifting and changing based on what I'm learning and the experiences uh, that I'm having, but it, and it looks different relationship to relationship and, and person to person. But I believe that we all have the capacity to love multiple people. And we tend to put love in the category of this eros or, or erotic love. Um, and that's just such a very narrow conceptualization of care and affection and love for people. I do want to say that polyamory, right? Polyamory, yeah, polyamory. Or ethical non-monogamy interchangeably. What was I gonna say? Oh, know. it forces you to love yourself. It forces you to do the inner work. What do you mean by that? Oh, because it's like. I would say me falling in love with myself and me realizing that I have me. Yeah. And I am choosing, I am choosing to do life with you. That part. But like, I am good because I love me. Yeah, I think I've said to all the people (laughs) I've been in a relationship with, like, I'll be fine without you. (laughs) Like, it'll hurt when we're not together, but I'll be fine without you because the foundation has to be this deeply rooted um, love of self and and security uh, with self and the recognition that I need to know myself and be aware of who I am uh, so that I can share with you or and also this commitment to engage in that process together. Mm-hmm. So there's been really heavy, heavy conversations mm-hmm. um, like uh, Chris is a six on the Enneagram and like sixes are, are loyalists. And sometimes that can be like a people pleasing thing. And so sometimes I'm like, who are you? Choose your own identity. Stop just being the yes person to all the things that I want to do who is chris what did chris want to do and like those have been really difficult and hard conversations but there i don't know if we would have had those conversations under a traditional relational model in which the identity of uh uh 
two monogamous individuals sometimes get so intertwined yeah. that they yeah. know who they are without one another. Um, I, I've kind of had this internal knowing that I've always wanted to have a sense of self, mm-hmm. but also a deep love and, and sharing in a deep love of others. Um, there's probably a piece of that, that being kicked out of the church, right? Yeah. Forces me to reclaim like, who am I? outside of this this institution that has provided me community and security for so long and you have to turn inward and begin to interrogate the aspects of the places that you don't love in yourself and so polyamory is is or uh, uh, polyamory non-monogamy it is a orientation um toward the limitlessness of love, but it's also an honoring of the boundary of where I begin um, and end, and you begin and end. As beautiful as that is a perfect place to bring our conversation to close for tonight because there literally could be like six more parts to this conversation. Um, (laughs) Thank you all for being willing to be vulnerable and share about who you are, who you're becoming, who you've been. If you could offer as cheesy as this may or may not sound a word of encouragement because I guess the one thing that I was thinking about especially of not knowing who you are you know like for those who are very intertwined or enmeshed in whatever type of relationship they may or may not be happy in the, the finding who you are is such an important journey and it's also pretty terrifying. I just wonder if you could just each say just a word of encouragement about that. I'll contextualize this by saying this is inspired um, by bearing witness, being in relationship and in process with someone who was discovering who they were. Um, and in that process, things just didn't work out for us. And I don't hold that against the person at all. Um, I would never speak publicly ill about the person and I still have a deep care, concern and compassion. Um, for the person but I think what they taught me is that sometimes in finding yourself you have to say fuck everything else and and that's okay and it's and it's going to hurt people it's going to cause tension it's going to cause disruption um 
but it is is what you have to do um, to tap in to a personal liberation, to a personal freedom. And so there's famously that, that statement of it gets better. Yes, it gets better if we're able to change the circumstances and environments which are oppressing us. And that's why I would go back to this question of what does pride mean to us? It's that reflection for me um, and that reminder that my calling, uh, my demand is to live boldly and not loud for those that can't do it for themselves and to say, yes, you can. And there is hope and there is a community and a family and love waiting for you as you navigate and push through that tra traumatic and tumultuous time. That there are people with open arms and open hands waiting, eager to hold you and that you are not alone, even if in your body you feel so incredibly alone, but you are not. You are deeply and beautifully made and loved and cherished. And for those that can hear my voice, if you ever need a listening ear, reach out to me. We're in this together. Choose yourself, choose you, and whatever that means, like choose to trust yourself and listen to what is right in your body. Time has a way of being, hard. yeah, that's how you saying, like, hard in the moment. But choosing yourself and whatever that may look like to you gets, gets you through those hard times. appreciate and admire about um, you and um, Chris. And so I've only known this version of you, um, the comfortable in your own skin version. Um, but it's the, um, there's this quote that says the freest people are those with nothing to hide. And so as I listen to you guys, you know, give voice to this and, and articulate this and just, you know, lay it all out there. This is who I am. This is how I function, this is how I think, this is how I feel, and I'm not gonna have any shame in it. Um, and so my generation was just so engrossed in political correctness and what you do and you don't say. And that's one of the things that I'm still working through breaking out of. But there is such a freedom in being who you are. It, then there's no confusion. Um, and so that's what I see in the both of you in this iteration of yourself um, is that you're free because 
have nothing to hide. The, there's, I refuse to ever go back into the closet. <laughs> it feels good out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I refuse to not take up space. Yeah. Y'all know how to contact me, but if, it, if people actually want to soak in your awesomeness, love, how will they contact you if that's something you consent to? Yeah. So my Instagram handle for now, I'm kidding. My Instagram handle is uh, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, zero three. Um, and then it's also the same on Twitter as well yes thank you loves thank you thank you for letting us talk right thank you for listening i did this you did it yeah proud of you mm -hmm. i'm proud of me you should be. yeah <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Permission to Be. You can learn more about today's guests by going to permissiontobepodcast.com. We are also on all the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Permission to Be Podcast or Twitter at Permission to underscore B. We would love to hear from you and let us know who you might want to have on as our next guest if you would leave us a rating and review in your review you can put the name of people or persons who you think might be a great guest for the permission to be podcast we hope you have a wonderful day <laughs>